Hello, welcome to another fine edition of Give Me Five. I am your host, Philip Amarine, here with Gary Boucher. With arms wide open. I don't know what that was, but that was beautiful. I have, have you ten out of ten. <laughs> have you never heard of Creed? Have you never listened to Creed? Oh, oh, was that a Creed song? Oh, see, now that's that's now that's it. the kind of respect that we deserve <laughs> around here with. Uh, <laughs> With uh, unknowing knowledge of who the hell is singing what and what song it is. All right. Uh, give me five, of course. This is the, the episode where I've got five questions for Gary. He's got five questions for me. We do not know what they are, but by gosh, by golly, we are going to answer them honestly. We'll Gary, answer them honestly. Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, we'll put a little, we'll be truthful. We'll be open and raw to the people out here. All right, Gary, I'll start us out. I am putting a spoiler alert to my sister right now ahead of this question. So Beth Amarine, friend of the podcast, if you are listening, skip this question. Go to Gary's question. Here, it's a great question, here. I'm sure. I've already heard it. No, I don't I haven't heard it. So but I'm sure Gary has a great question. Listen up to it next. Alright. <clears throat> here we go. Gary, as you may or may not know, there are two new gaming systems that have been released in November, just cool. in time for the holidays. Now I do know. Yes, now I am an Xbox person, so I have my eyes on the Xbox Series X, but my younger sister, friend of the podcast, Beth Amarine, is looking for an Xbox One since she doesn't need a lot of, a lot for her gaming experience. So I ask you, Gary Boucher, if I buy myself an Xbox Series X and give my sister my Xbox One, does that count as a gift? Is that a cop-out by me, or do I need to get her another gift, an actual gift, Gary? Um, maybe just a game because that is still like a multi-hundred dollar system. I, I would totally appreciate, I mean, you could sell that for a handful of games and that, I mean, it's still a very nice state-of-the-art system. So I think it's a gift, but maybe a cherry on top to say, hey, I'm not just giving you a thing. I also thought of something else. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it allows it allows for me to what to to get her like a little stocking stuffer or just something just something to act to add on for her to unwrap. I'd imagine, right? Yeah. Do you want to hear a horror story? Yeah, give me. Yesterday, I logged into Walmart's online shopping and added a PlayStation Five at 6 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> As yeah. I was checking out, the site crashed and I lost my PlayStation Five. <laughs> it was one of the worst. Mo I mean, 2020 has sucked, but that's got to be like in the top three worst moments of 2020. And you know what's so funny is that you, sir, are not alone. I've heard so many people say, I had it. I had it in my grasp, in my click, I in, had my, it. in my cart, and then it's gone. It's just absolutely gone. It's like in Mulan. They slipped right through my fingers. Fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your turn, Gary. All right, so I have a set. Uh, would you rather type questions pertaining Ooh. to caveman things in the spirit of our recent movie, The Croods? The Croods! So I'm just going to fire these at you. Uh, would you rather be dropped off 5,000 years ago and forced to survive or be dropped off 5,000 years in the future and forced to survive? Ooh. I'd say 5,000 years in the future because around that time will probably be the Earth will have regenerated from its post-apocalyptic war and, yeah, and uh, yeah. it'll probably be all lush, you know, greenery that I'm dealing with. As opposed to 5,000 years ago, I'm, if, that's pretty, that's cutting it close to like, what, dinosaur times? And, and some of that was, was a, like a full-on destruction. Like, I, yeah, that's really cutting it close. I don't think it's as lush as, as, uh, as it might be in the future. Yeah, so I'm going to go with 5,000 in the future. Dinosaurs were 
a few million, but 5,000 years ago is kind of scary because humans were just brutal. I mean, you got to be scared of those guys. You're right. Millions, millions. You're right. But yeah, no, those those people, they are, <laughs> they are not uh, forward thinkers. They, they would just... use your head as a gourd, as they say. And, and eat it yes. as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Number two. Caveman foods, would you rather eat raw, fresh meat like a dead deer carcass, a live bird, or a handful of bugs? Yeah, I think, actually, in this case, I mean, I'd go a handful of bugs. At least I can kill them before, so that way they're not, like, actively crawling in my mouth. But I've actually always, uh, I've always, uh, for all my picadillos when it comes to food, I'm a very picky eater. But one thing that I've always yearned to try was ants. I've always uh, mm. I've heard heard good things, and even like grasshopper, grasshopper flower, something that's coming out nowadays. Yeah. Uh, I'm very very open to to the bug culture that uh, Timon and Pumbaa have opened all of our eyes to. Yes, um, slimy yet satisfying, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what area of the earth would you want to live on if you were a caveman? Oh wow. Um, I wouldn't do well in the cold by myself. Mm. I don't know that I could uh, survive. So it'd have to be somewhere near the equator. Uh, man, but like if we go to like the rainforests of Brazil, like there's like little spiders that can just kill you uh, by themselves. And they're True. just crawling around and they just accidentally just walk on you and you're, you're already paralyzed for something to just slowly eat you. So maybe somewhere like, uh, maybe somewhere like... Let's go with Florida. At least there's like a beach, you know. And and if it's uh, if it's caveman times and it's Florida, maybe there's not any weird, you know, crocodiles or methed out tweakers or something, you know. I was gonna say you could be the first one to domesticate a gator. That'd be kind of cool. That's true. That's right. very true. Would you rather fight a tiger with only a handful of sharp rocks, or would you rather fight a pterodactyl with a billy club and a Nickelback album? Well, at least I go down swinging. I'm actually, if it's a certain album, I, I enjoy Nickelback. But I'm going to go with the Tiger because at least I know, and, and here's my, my thought process, I know a Tiger's weakness, its nose. And I realize, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, uh, fun fact, maybe this will be the fact of the podcast. A Tiger's nose is the sensitive part. So what they always advise is if possible, and I've, I've never understood the logic of this, but they always advise to bite a tiger's nose if ever they're about to get you. Whoa. My thought process is, though, and what? how are you getting close enough to bite its nose but not close enough for it to hurt you? Like, it's, like one angle, it's already, like, right there at your neck, so you're, you're dead. But on another angle, like, you're just riding it or something? I don't know what it is, but... Look it up. Everybody advises to do it. All the great, big, beautiful people. I've got a <laughs> bunch of experts that told you to bite the nose of the tiger. Bite it. That's fantastic. You are a regular Carol Baskin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what what piece of modern technology or thing would you bring back with you to caveman times to amaze them into making you their king? Oh, man. I hate to be mundane, but it can't... It just, it cannot be, it cannot be an iPad or something because you need to charge it. Yeah, so it yeah. have to be something, <sighs> well, if it's caveman times, maybe something like a bayonet because at least you can sharpen it, right? Or, or like, uh, oh God, because I wanted to bring a lighter or something, maybe like a fire starter, but I, I think that all those are finite uses. I, yeah. I wish that it would be infinite uses so that way i can bust it out whenever i want to 
So I think, I think a bayonet, because I would like literally just, at least I'd have some angle to me, you know, I'd, even yeah. if I don't know how to skillfully use it, I can at least, yeah, you know, go away. Well, and then you've got the gun portion, which would certainly freak them out. Uh, yeah, yeah, but again, you need ammo. Yeah, you got to use it sparingly. Yeah, so maybe a bow and arrow. Maybe if I like just cut us up a few hundred years and get a bow and arrow, maybe. Yeah. All right, was that your last one? Yes, sir. Wonderful. Gary, I uh, two days ago, I had just reheated a homemade hamburger. I had just put mm. it between some freshly toasted buns, even made myself a nice drink, and I sat down in front of my computer and pressed play on the YouTube video I was watching, and nothing. I clicked again, refreshed a couple times, and even turned off my computer piffed that my food was getting cold. It was only during the restart of my computer that I checked online to find YouTube was down worldwide, <gasps> thus robbing me of my entertainment during dinner. It was then I realized that rarely have I eaten a meal recently without some form of entertainment. You know, YouTube video, podcast, of course, if I'm conversing with someone else. So Gary, I ask you, do you have any weird eating habits? So that's actually a huge one for me, especially now that I'm working from home. I have probably a handful of things that I watch or listen to when I eat. Um, but honestly, it's not I whistle do, while um, you work. It's <laughs> watch while you eat. <laughs> it's really unfortunate that I, I work on the phones all day, so I can't chew when I talk to students. But um, I do the little kid thing where I like if I have a plate with a variety of foods, I eat the worst ones first. Like I eat all the vegetables first so that I can get to the good stuff last. Um and I have a habit also, I love open-faced things, open-faced sandwiches. I love cooking things open-faced. Everyone thinks it's a total time waster, but I love open-faced things. You're the kind of guy who would have invented pizza. Yes, yes, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, an open face, that is that is certainly unique. I will I will give that to you. I'm not a... I'm not a fan. I'm, I don't hate on, but I I can't say that I I love open face stuff. I have eaten eggs Benedict for breakfast for oh. like the last year. I, I I just can't get behind the sauce for the eggs Benedict. But uh, oh yeah, you don't have to use hollandaise. You can do whatever Benedict you want. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Try it out, man. Um. Your okay. So mine is a little game that I like to call Uncaged. This is a Nicolas Cage themed game where I ah. have. Three sets of three facts about Nicolas Cage. It's a classic Gimme Five game. One of these facts is real. Two of the other facts are completely made up Nicolas Cage facts. And let's go for it. Let's do it. Number one. Set one. Nicolas Cage once accidentally bought a stolen dinosaur skull. Second one. Nicolas Cage sleeps on a bed full of goose feathers that he actually plucked himself. Number three. Nicolas Cage seriously considered uh, gender reassignment surgery for a role from a script that he wrote for himself. Yeah, number three. That's definitely, that's that's cagey. Number three is something out of my own mind. I made that up. Wow. The, the wow. true fact is that he accidentally bought a stolen dinosaur skull. That as you will find out, it is very easy to write fake Nicolas Cage facts because this dude is crazy. Yes, he's like the Mike Tyson of actors. <laughs> That's right. Next one. Uh, Nicolas Cage was briefly featured on Lithuania's national flag for a day after the prime minister, one of his close family friends, declared March 11th Nicolas Cage Day. Okay. Number two, Nicolas Cage was actually beat out of the job of... Red Hot Chili Peppers lead singer by Anthony Kiedis in the early 80s before his acting career took off. 
And number three, Nicolas Cage bought an entire haunted mansion in New Orleans uh, to live in to write his own horror novel. Again, sticking with number three. Number three is correct, sir. He did buy the haunted house. Look at you. You know your cage facts. Next one's a tiebreaker. You are one for one, sir. Whoop, whoop. So, last set. Number one. Uh, a satirical religion based on Nicolas Cage, uh, very unoriginally called Cageism, was started by a few devoted fans in the 90s and now has over 50,000 registered Cageites. Speaking of Florida. <laughs> Number two, Nicolas Cage was actually expelled from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences because he was high on mushrooms during a board meeting. Hmm. Number three, Nicolas Cage bought a nine-foot-tall pyramid tomb in New Orleans, which is heavily speculated to be his own resting place, his own grave. I'm going to go with the shrooms. That, uh, I, I can't imagine that a, a method actor such as himself wouldn't have something in his repertoire that resembles that. Well, you are right in one sense. He does do shrooms, but that is not a real fact. The real mm. fact is that he bought a nine-foot-tall pyramid tomb in New Orleans that people think he wants to bury himself in. So that's mm. not creepy at all. But yet, incredibly on brand. Yes. <laughs> 100%. I give the floor to you, sir. All right. Uh, Gary. A cheese wholesaler has brought a rare English cheese back into production, saving it from near extinction. Coverdale, an unpasteurized cheese, was first created in the early 20th century in the Yorkshire Dales. Earlier this year, production of the cheese was put to an end by Wensleydale Creamery. Rather than let the cheese disappear forever, cheese wholesale, wholesaler Cryer and Stott decided to resume production of the crumbly cheese. So Gary... I have a list of a couple of foods that were created in the early 20th century, and I want you to tell me if you would be their champion and save them should they ever face extinction. Are you ready? I am so ready. I love food. Fantastic, Gary. First one on the plate, peanut butter and jelly. Oh, yes. Oh, it's a staple. It's a classic. Anytime snack. You would save it. You would save it. All right. Next one, canned tuna. So I am vegetarian, but before that, canned tuna was a great source of protein that you can make into almost anything. Uh, I know that tuna is very divisive, but I will be saving tuna. Yes. Save the tuna. Uh, much to the office, uh, Andy's chagrin. <laughs> All right, banana splits. Are they worth saving no. from extinction? No. Throw throw those out. Throw them I out. Never, yeah, I, I feel like this is one of the boring things that was inventive, had its time, had its place. It's like the... Is like the uh, is like the Bill Russell, like very like great in its time, but and you respect it for what it was, but just has no place in our current that's in our current basketball game. <laughs> that's the strangest Bill Russell metaphor I've ever heard, and I yeah. give you credit for that. Thank you, thank you. Next one, orange juice. Pulp or no pulp? Uh, we we go pulp. We back uh, the pulp. No, I'm throwing it out, man. I'm throwing wow. it out. Wow, that is incredibly deflating. New York pizza is our final one. New York style pizza. I am behind it 100%. I love all types of pizza. When I was a little kid, I used to like deep dish better, but then I grew up and I had a refined palate, and I realized that thin New York pizza is the way to go. I am saving it. Yeah, I feel like people who love soup, who are like the avid connoisseurs of soup, go hard in the paint for deep dish pizza. 
And then for everybody else who like really loves sandwiches and subs, they they drift more towards New York style pizza. That's funny that you say that because I hate soup. I will never eat soup or stew. It's the worst. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> All right, my next one. So as we discussed in the movie portion of this podcast, The Crudes has its own spinoff TV show. Very undeservedly so. I was really yeah. confused. I, I pinched myself. I was like, dude, wake up. You're in an episode of The Twilight Zone right now. The Crudes have a TV show, and you don't. So this one's kind of a two-parter. First of all, what film would you like to see have a TV show made out of it? And secondly, on the flip side, what's a movie that should never have a TV show made after it? So the movie, the movie that deserves to have a TV show after it, you know, I, the first one that popped into my head uh, it's so hard because, like, the ones that immediately come to your mind are something like, I don't know, like The Dark Knight, right? And you're, but, like, duh, Batman. Uh, so, and there's already stuff off of it. So when I think of, like, films that should definitely, like, a film that should definitely... What about, like, what about The Godfather? And I, I realize that there are other ones of, like, Boardwalk Empire and other things. But I, I thought, what about... Or, or like the Sopranos. But what about like if you're sticking strictly to the Godfather world? I think that there's still within that world uh, room for a TV show. Maybe how you got into yes. certain places. Oh, in the golden age of TV, the Godfather would would kill. I mean, we sort of have the Sopranos, but no, in the Godfather world, that's a great choice. Thank you. And then as far as uh, a, you're saying a TV series that shouldn't exist, or did it have to be based off of a movie? No. So uh, based on movies right now that. That, oh, don't, just, just that, don't, that don't have right. a TV show, what do you never want to see a, a TV show of? I swear to God, if there comes out a... a ooh, ooh, I almost cursed. If there comes out <laughs> a, a friggin' Twilight TV series show, mm, I'm just 100%. gonna I'm just gonna have diarrhea, explosive diarrhea all over the place. It, I, I don't need that to be out there because chances are they realize that it will be marketable and so they will try to make it good. And if it's any good, like if it's actually on the semblance of good and critically acclaimed, I will ha be forced to watch it. And I hate that. I have, And they will yeah. no longer be held to just the books. Oh, no. Stick to the landing that already broke calves. Stop it. I, I don't know about, you know, what's going on in the underbelly of Hollywood, but you'd be a fool to think that that hasn't been pitched at least a few times. I mean, I know. somebody has to have written a pilot about, for Twilight. They just they just stay away. Stay <laughs> away. All right. <laughs> Go for it, man. Gary, on Monday, video surfaced of Fox News anchor Sandra Smith being caught in a hot mic moment, incredulously uh, reacting to a guest trying to cast aspersions for the legitimacy of Joe Biden being declared president-elect. Let's listen in. Over whoever is decided to be the president, remember just because CNN says or even Fox News says that somebody's president doesn't make them president. So I think everybody what? wants to know that this was done properly mm. and legally. What is happening? We like Trace, we've results. called it. And I think we have to look into every one of these concerns. Gary, I ask you is there a hot mic moment you're not proud of that you can recall? Maybe one that you were a part of or you saw? Uh, or, or uh, maybe like I know you've been in theater, so maybe there was uh, maybe there was uh, somebody <laughs> forgot a line or, or farted on stage. 
Oh, okay, so I don't know if you're a Nostradamus or what, but I have a fantastic sort of hot mic story. First of all, let me just shout out Carmelo Anthony for his constant hot miking in the NBA. It's such a source of joy for me. But me personally, <laughs> I was in a play at Glendale Community College called Dog Sees God. And oh, yes. I was playing CB, and we were like uh, doing f- like full dress rehearsal like the day before the show opened. And there's a scene where one of my friends hugs me, and she hugged me right at that lower waist level and squeezed out a massive, <laughs> massive fart that flooded <laughs> the entire theater. It bellowed. And, dude, rehearsal stopped for like a half hour because we could not stop. La- the, the, the director, she was up in the booth. She didn't know what had happened, but the whole entire cast, we were rolling. It's, <laughs> it was, Are oh. you sure they were rolling laughing or just rolling in... And nausea, and I, I, I remember one of my uh, other castmates, Jack, going, "Bro, Gary just effing farted," and he ran around the whole <laughs> theater. Oh my god! It, I, I think about it all the time. It was so funny, and it literally, like, you, you know how important a tech rehearsal is. It like derailed <laughs> that oh rehearsal. Oh my god, man. that's hilarious. Oh, that's yeah. absolutely hilarious. Yes. You let one. You let the monster from the deep bellow from the cave. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic. All right, go ahead, Gary. Your turn. All right, man. So this next one, I'm really excited for, and I started down a rabbit hole because Chris Paul might be traded to the Suns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, I'm gonna keep it out of the basketball world for our listeners, but Philip and I are huge basketball fans. This is big news. Um, but it got me thinking about basketball trade what ifs, which got me thinking about casting what ifs in movies. Mm. So I have taken the liberty of creating a ballot. I have 16 uh, head-to-head casting what ifs, and we're just gonna fly through. And I want you—it's like a March Madness style bracket—and we're gonna go head-to-head and see what is the ultimate ever casting what if in movies. But first, I want to give you guys a few honorable mentions. Um, that didn't quite make the cut, but are very cool what-ifs. So we have Tom Tom Hiddleston was almost cast as Thor. Uh, instead got Loki. Robin Williams as Hagrid in Harry Potter. Will Smith as Django in Django Unchained. Britney Spears as Allie, which is just the female character in The Notebook. And Jennifer Hudson as the lead role in Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. So wow. those are our honorable mentions. But let's get into the actual tournament. So number one, uh, and these these are seated, but they're they're randomly seated. I don't know what's better than the other. So number one, <laughs> right. Al Pacino as Han Solo versus Jack Nicholson as Don Corleone. Oh, let's go with Jack Nicholson as Don Corleone. Al Pacino as Han. That just uh, Chewy, Chewy, <laughs> the light speed, the light speed, Chewy. Yeah, come on, Chewy. We have to get to Java. Hooah! Right. Next, one, uh, Next one, Matt Damon as Jake Soley in Avatar versus Liam Neeson as Lincoln in Lincoln. Yeah, let's go Liam Neeson as Lincoln. I The other one just, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a throwaway one. Next one, uh, O.J. Simpson as the Terminator. This is oh, wild. Wow. This, this almost happened versus Daniel Day-Lewis as Vincent in Pulp Fiction, which is the John Travolta role. Oh, oh, wow. Um, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I love John Travolta. I love he's like my guilty great. pleasure uh actor. Oh wow. But I love Daniel Day Lewis. Like I can't deny that his astounding nature. Oh my gosh. 
I think that has to be it, and that's so disrespectful to John Travolta. But yeah, yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, oh, that is not going to make it far, but that's that that definitely wins this round. Next. It's a completely different movie, man. It's weird to think about. Oh yeah. Next one, Matthew McConaughey as Jack in the Titanic, the Leo DiCaprio role. <laughs> all right, all right. Or our boy of the week, Nicolas Cage as Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, the first one was who again? I'm sorry. Matthew McConaughey as Jack. That's right. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's go with uh, with the uh, second one. Second one. Nicholas Cage's Aragorn. Yeah. yeah th- that role was cast and recast like four times. Yeah, that makes sense. Next one. Uh, Robin Williams as Jack Torrance in One Flew Over the... Oh, wait, no. Uh, Jack Torrance is an, in, in The Shining. Nicholson has so many roles. Yeah, Robin Williams as Jack in The Shining versus Ian McKellen as Albus Dumbledore in Harry Potter. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Robin Williams. Um, I'm gonna go Robin Williams. That seems like a, a much cleaner fit, and I actually would would have enjoyed to have seen that. Yeah, he, he's a good actor. I think it could have nailed here's Johnny. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next one: Hugh Jackman as James Bond versus John Travolta as Forrest Gump. Wow. Wow. Let me just remind the listener that these are things that actually almost really happened. Oh, wow. Uh, Hugh Jackman as Hugh, I'm sorry? Hugh Jackman as James Bond or John Travolta as Forrest Gump. I think I got to go Hugh Jackman as James Bond. Um, yeah, yeah, Hugh Jackman. Next one. Will Smith as Neo in The Matrix versus Sean Connery as Gandalf. Oh, I'd probably go Sean Connery as Gandalf, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, wow. It's a very famous story. Will Smith gave up Neo to be in Wild Wild West, and Keanu Reeves' career took off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all these are just absolutely crazy what-ifs. Yeah. But And so the part of my just just awestruck moment is just, just giving it a moment to breathe, to just kind of imagine that film with them in it. Anyways, continue. Oh, Frodo Baggins. Next one. Frodo Baggins. <laughs> Jim, Jim Carrey as Buddy the Elf in Elf. Oh, God. Or Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. I could have given two flying monkey poos if whatever the second one is. I hate Elf. I, I You could have you could have put a freaking uh, Tom Hanks as Elf, and I still wouldn't have. We're going to go Tom Selleck. Let's Tom go. Selleck as Indiana Jones, absolutely. All right. It was just an easy win. Moving on to the Elite Eight from the top. All right. Jack Nicholson as Don Corleone versus Liam Neeson as Lincoln. Ooh, uh, let's go... Uh, the second one, second one. Liam Neeson as Lincoln, absolutely. Yeah. Next one, Daniel Day-Lewis as Vincent in Pulp Fiction versus Nicolas Cage as Aragorn, which is a greater casting what if? Uh, the first one. Daniel Day-Lewis, absolutely. Yes. All right, next one. Robin Williams as Jack Torrance in The Shining versus Hugh Jackman as James Bond. Robin Williams, you're going up, baby. You're you're picking him. He's he's going to the next yes, round. Yes, I I agree with that choice. Next one, Sean Connery as Gandalf versus Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. Tom Selleck, your right ends here, man. You you got an easy first round, and then you're getting upset in the second one. Sean yeah. Connery, have a goal. Absolutely. All right, final four. Liam Neeson as Lincoln in Lincoln versus Daniel Day Lewis as Vincent in Pulp Fiction. All right. Double D to the L is finally taking the L. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go Liam Neeson on this one. Absolutely. Next one. Robin Williams as Jack Torrance in The Shining versus Sean Connery as Gandalf. Oh, man. Oh, wow. This, this I think, is like the championship round right here. Yeah. This is what it's all come up to. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm going to go Robin Williams because I think it would have... Oh, wow. I think it would have done more for his career than Sean Connery's would for for the others, I think. Yes. Oh, it absolutely... I mean, Sean Connery is already a legend at that point. At that point, yeah. All right. Final. The final, final, final round. Liam Neeson as Abraham Lincoln in the Steven Spielberg hit Lincoln. Or Robin Williams as Jack Torrance in The Shining. Four score and seven years ago, I found you. <laughs> and I won't give up. <laughs> but I still lost. No, that's it's definitely it's definitely um, the second one. There, there's no doubt about this champion whatsoever. Absolutely. You heard it here first, folks. According to Philip Amorine, the greatest casting what-if in movie history is if Robin Williams had Jack Nicholson's role in The Shining, and I think that's a fantastic choice. And you know what's funny about that is that I, I, I don't take anything away from Jack Nicholson's performance. That's just no. a... It's it's just a, a crazy... It is truly just that. It's a, it's a different version. It's a crazy what-if. And I don't... I, I take nothing away from the original performance. I just also would have liked to have seen... Like, maybe, like... Uh, just uh, just two, like, the exact same project back-to-back. See how it would have changed. Same everything. The only difference, the main character. Yes. Who would have played the Shelley Duvall character in the uh, in Robin, Robin Williams, Williams version? version? Uh, at that point, uh, what's, uh, you know... Uh, the, alive, the alive version of Marilyn Monroe in this reality. <laughs> She's still alive. <laughs> right, right, right. I probably, I think around that time Rocky was going around, right? I would go with Rocky's wife in the first two films. Don't I know forget. the actress. I don't know choice. the actress, but she kind of fits the role, kind of whatever. Um, all right. Uh, last one for it all, Gary. British supermarkets Marks and Spencer have just announced that they're releasing a Christmas-themed version of their popular donut hybrid. This hybrid is a cross between a donut and a yum yum, a deep fried, which is a f- deep fried flaky pastry topped with a glazed icing, and they're calling it Santa's Yum Nut. So, ga- <laughs> <laughs> so Gary, <laughs> I ask you, I've celebrated the holidays with the Boucher clan before. Will the entire Boucher family all enjoy Santa's Santa's Yum Nut this holiday season? Is this is this a real question, man? <laughs> I would I would love nothing more than to wake up on Christmas morning to Santa's mm. yum nut. Yeah. I I have never had anything as foreign and interesting as Santa's yum nut and so what way to make the holiday season better <laughs> besides a hot Santa's yum nut. And you know people think that Santa's yum nut is only for, you know, the the younger people of the of the family but I think Grandma and Grandpa Boucher will enjoy Santa's Yum Nut as well, oh, don't you? Santa's Yum Nut is great for all ages. Absolutely. Is, yeah. is there a way we can we can get Santa's Yum Nut? Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure. Well, he does. <laughs> Santa himself does make trips all around the world. I'm sure that Santa's <laughs> Yum Nut will <laughs> delivers as well. Oh, who who's in marketing, man? We got to give him a shout uh, out. Oh yeah, the podcast, yeah. Hey, man. hey uh, Bill, Bill, can we get? We're working on it. Okay. Hey. Yeah, All right. Not. Yeah, Bill Bill said Bill said we'll, we'll see what we can do. Nice. All right. That is my last question. That that's all that needed to be said. It it truly is 
delight and delicious. All right, my friend. That is all we have for the show this week, this episode. We don't know what we'll be watching next week, but by gosh, by golly, you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be good. That's right, Letty. Uh, All right. You know know exactly what we're going to be doing next week. We're going to review a movie, and we will find you, and we will get your ears to listen to all of this episode and more. Stay subscribed. Stay listening. That man over there, he's called... Santa's Yemnut Gary Boucher. And I'm Philip Amarine. Thank you for listening. And we're glad that you're taken with us this week. Enjoy this and all of our other podcasts. Bye.